Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome to our Triune Pod. We is our third time trying to start the episode. There is a car alarm blaring outside Ben's apartment window. <laughs> We're off to a great start, our dear friends. Uh, but welcome, Ben. How are you, man? Man, I'm good. It's summer in the city. It's gotten a little bit too hot too quickly, but it's, I mean, we're doing all right. What's What's it like for you? How, how about you? And I mean, we announced last week that you're about to be leaving Austin, Texas. Uh, little did the listeners know that you're going to be living in Raleigh, North Carolina, wifeless for three months. <laughs> so how are you going to survive this? Yeah, so I didn't want to make this that public, but we're we're separating. No, totally kidding. <laughs> we're not separating. But my and Meg is going to be in Austin like half the time that I am uh, for those three months. But there's going to be a little bit of a period where Meg is staying in Austin to tie up things logistically and uh, for her job. So uh, I'm going to be doing some some bachelor time uh, in in. Raleigh. So yeah, I thought we'd just kind of throw this out to the listeners, any kind of life hacks, um, especially those of us who are not married, like my dear friend, Ben. Uh, ben, I know you kind of subsisted on some like Silicon Valley protein shake for a few years. What, what other, what other uh, secrets did you discover? Friends, Nick doesn't trust me. I mean, I've been at this bachelorhood for a long ass time. So he should really just be taking all my advice. I told him to do Huel. I've told him that that's not fancy enough for him to do fresh and lean these meals chef made delivered to your house for 10 bucks so that's all i really got for him i mean you you got to eat i don't have anything else so listeners if you have anything please send it his way he's desperate my my favorite anecdote that just illustrates your bachelorness is uh in the summer of 2017 excuse me the fall of 2017 meg and i spent seven weeks with you in new york in your apartment and my wife being who she is, you know, very, very much beautified the place and, and not just beautified it, but domesticized it, if that's a word, you know, bought like groceries. And that's what I mean. Uh, and I remember, so I think we bought something for breakfast, some like breakfast item. I forget what it was, but she, we left it in your fridge because we hadn't finished it. And we came back to New York about a year later. So like in December of 2018, and the same thing was there on a touch, just sitting in your fridge for a year. So incredible. I don't man. Hey, man, I never don't change. It. Never change, man. <laughs> never change. All right. So we are in a new season. Uh, last year of, uh, excuse me, last week, we did a um, the, the Colic Fraternity Sunday, which is in some ways the last Sunday of the before ordinary time, the long ordinary time. Um, and we are now for what, the next four months, five months, I have no idea, in uh, Ordinary Time. And there are always blogs out there who are like talking about the meaning of Ordinary Time, how to find God in the mundane, the beautiful mess, yada, yada, yada. 
who cares? The totally. idea is that <laughs> we are, it's just ordinary time, man. It's fine. It's good. You don't need to embellish it. So uh, we, with the colic for today, it's a little bit tricky to find these colics if you're not worshiping in a kind of BCP church, but we will do that for you. The colic for this Sunday is, I think it's proper five. Is that what you said, Ben? Is that right? Ben? That's right. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying asking, to block out this car alarm. That keeps I'm, asking, <laughs> I'm asking because I um, d- deleted the page and I forgot what the collect was. So uh, we're going to be praying and discussing proper five, which is the Sunday closest to June 8th. And the prayer goes like this. Oh God, from whom all good proceeds, grant that by your inspiration, we may think those things that are right and by your merciful guiding may do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Benjamin, please explain this prayer to me. All right, here we go. I'm fighting with the alarm, but I'm trying to stay consecrated. But uh, so you're staying consecrated, all right? It's not working. (laughs) These pretzels are making me thirsty. (laughs) So the call begins. God from whom all good proceeds. We believe that God is good. It's in his very essence and his very nature. And that good proceeds from him through to the cosmos to us. What's interesting about this prayer is in our ask, we pray that by his inspiration, we may think those things that are right. And then it goes into by his merciful guiding may do them. So on one level, God is at the beginning of our good works, God's in our thinking, God's there the whole time. But what I think this collect is really getting at, and maybe pushing back at a little bit, is that kind of Aristotelian notion that in doing good, you become good. Now, I'm not trying to fight that. I mean, I think that that's true on some level. In fact, there are you know studies that show that that's true. That's why we keep, you know, Thanksgiving journals, because, you know, you you write down what you're thankful for, you find yourself becoming a bit more of a thankful person. But it seems like the reformers and Cranmer are pushing back on this notion. And here we see that in this collect, it begins by saying, uh, grant that we may think those things that are right, that's first, and as a result, by your merciful guiding, we may do them. So it's a little bit of what we talked about yesterday, that you know, we're pushing back against the idea that, you know, ideas kind of don't really matter. It's more what you do. It's more in the praxis. And what we're trying to say is that both matter. The idea matters. Praxis matters. And in fact, in this college, we see that reformational uh, pushback by saying, you know what, actually, what we're going to emphasize is to say that right thinking produces right behavior. So help us to think those things that are right, are good, and then by your merciful guiding that we may do that. You got any thoughts on that so far, Nick? Uh, yeah, man, I, I do have some thoughts about this actually, because I have been reading this book that this revelatory book that is five years old now, but it's called Paul and the Gift by John Barclay. And he is a New Testament scholar who works a lot with Paul and gets at like, well, what was Paul really saying? And he deals with a lot of disagreements about what Paul was saying throughout church history, but he does a lot of creative work with the Bible itself. So you don't have to be a scholar to kind of get into the conversation. And he talks about um, Paul's ethics as our uh, Paul's kind of ideas about 
behavior and thought patterns as um, what Paul is concerned to show is that Jesus and the reality of Jesus and the resurrection is um, creates what he calls ethic structuring allegiances. So before you get into like particular practices, do this, don't do that. What the gospel does is create a fundamental sense of like what time you are in, what Lord you serve um, and what powers you are you are or are not subject to. And, you know, so using that frame to think about grant that by your inspiration, we may think those things that are right. I hear not just in a moment of temptation or in a particular ethical quandary, help me remember the right thing to do. It's no, it's more basic and fundamental. It's an ethic structuring allegiance. Grant that by your inspiration, we may think those things that are right. Grant that by your inspiration, we may remember the God to whom we've been reconciled. We may remember the powers to whom we are no longer subject. Grant that by your inspiration, we may remember what time we are in, this inbreaking of the new age. So it's not just these like kind of very particular ethical injunctions we remember in the moment, but it's a more holistic sense of belonging. Like I know the God that I serve. I know the time that I am in. I know the power I am no longer subject to in Christ. Does that make sense? No, yeah, I think that actually goes with this palette perfectly. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, in Cramner's version of this prayer, he doesn't have a grant that by your inspiration we may think those things that are right. He has grant that by your in- inspiration we may think those things that are good. So it connects to the beginning, right? Oh God, from whom all good proceeds, may we think those things that are good, which I think just uh, further good. emphasizes your point. God is good. All goodness proceeds from God. And this goodness, it's its sure, it includes like in the moment, will I choose the right thing or the good thing? But it's this kind of us being oriented toward the good. Um, yeah, I guess, according to this colleague, first and foremost, through our minds. And may, you know, that same God who is inspiring us guide us knowing the good that we may do the good. Um, so it's all really kind of connected. God is good all good proceeds from God, help us think the things that are good, guide us to do the good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I, you know, this is what I'm about to say here. I'm not saying it's in the mind of the author, but if you of the prayer that is, but if you were to take those verbs, you know, what are we asking for? We're asking to, to be inspired and we're asking to be guided. It does show in, in positive ways the uh, the difficult situation in which we find ourselves as human beings, you know, in Adam, we are people who need inspiration continually. We are people who need guidance continually because left to ourselves, we will be kind of mentally slothful and we'll be, you know, spiritually and psychically slothful. We need our loss. You know, we, uh, we depend upon God's daily inspiration and guidance because without it, we're lost. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people have trouble, or at least we see on Twitter, the 10%, um, really have trouble with the notion of the fall of man or, you know, that things are messed up, uh, human depravity, for lack of a better word. Um, And we see a little bit of that notion here in this collect, right? God is good. All good proceeds from him. 
good doesn't come from us on our own. We need the inspiration to think the good. We need the guiding to do the good. And I don't know, listener, just think of your friend who is like, you know, a go-getter. I think of my friend, Adrian. I hope you're listening, Adrian Truscus, uh, who is like the biggest go-getter of them all. But he still needs those like, you know, that, that motivational uh, speech or that motivational song that gets him out of bed in the morning. So when we say, you know, we, we can't do good on our own, we're, you know, God, of course, created us good. And there's been good pushback against that. We're image bearers. We are lovable just by the fact that God has called us into existence. Uh, but there is this, you know, this profound lack in us and not just a lack, but we just find ourselves going the opposite way. And instead of focusing on like, okay, you know, I'm depraved. And yeah, there's been a lot of abuses of that. I think the real, what we're supposed to be looking at and the good news of this collect and the scriptures is that our Lord is with us from beginning to end. He's always got us in the palm of his hands, motivating us, guiding us, looking out for us. So it really, it's it's meant to be a doctrine that produces good cheer <laughs> and, uh, you know, warm, comforting feelings, I think, if anything. Uh, yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. I mean, as a really great illustration of that, just our temptation to be slothful in the fall of man on the um, homepage of the New York Post uh, this morning, there was a, um, a wonderful article entitled <laughs> Nick's uh, newspaper of choice. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez meditates while Ben Affleck takes a smoke break. And it's this, these like time shotted photos of Jennifer Anderson literally on the beach in Miami meditating, like doing some like weird like yoga pose while Affleck is like sitting cross-legged in the most like normie shorts, just like crushing a Marlboro light. It's like so incredible. It's so good. And it definitely illustrates these like two, you know, the yin and the yang, man. You know, we have the inspired, the guided Jennifer Lopez and the slothful lost Affleck. And I mean, I, we're, we're all Jennifer, you know, or we have both, both facets of ourselves, but I don't, sometimes I like to lean into Ben. Sometimes I like to lean into JLo, you know, both things are true. The dividing line between good and evil is between Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. I love that. Wow. That's, I, I, uh, I don't have anything more to say after that. Okay. I do. I do have one. I have one thing that I just, frankly, just like, pushing into this because I really like it. Um, but it has to do with the importance that the collect emphasizes on like actually doing it, right? We say, God, I want to think the right thoughts, but I really want to do them too. And I think there's a way in which people in our of our theological ilk can be sometimes, and uh, this is, I'm not thinking of any particular, any people in particular, but we can get caught up in like, well, if you think about grace the right, right way, or if you preach about grace the right way, that's, it's kind of like race, you know, like if you use the right language, then like, that's all that matters. It's like, that is not all that matters. You know, you gotta kind of do the stuff. And I think in this prayer, there's this recognition of like, yeah, it's wonderful. And it's important to think the right things by God's inspiration. It's also really important to do them. And there are a lot of ways of talking about the significance of the body in theological terms. And there's been a lot of stuff written about that from this same book. How do you pronounce, I'm going to look like an idiot on uh, an audio. Uh, is it, is it Kazaman, the, the new Testament scholar, German scholar? I think scholar? it's just Kazaman. Okay. So Ernest Kazaman, he has this quote around this. The context is Romans six, the body doing stuff with your actual self. But here's what he says. Bodily obedience is necessary as an anticipation of the reality of bodily resurrection. 
Otherwise, it would not be clear that we are engaged in the eschatological struggle for power. Our bodies are going to be resurrected one day. And as an anticipation of that reality, we do right things with our bodies. We do the good. And by doing the good, it is clear that we are engaged in this struggle. Who owns the human race? Jesus Christ as the Lord owns, is maybe the wrong word, but who is the Lord of the human race? Jesus Christ are the powers of sin and death. And by doing the right things with our bodies, we are saying, no, Jesus Christ is the Lord and no one else. It's a really, I mean, you're, you're, you're not acting like this is, is hitting you. But for me, that was a very powerful framing for the importance of bodily obedience. All right, I'm done. No, actually, I think that's really good. Again, I'm putting against this car alarm. But to sum up, I think it's like I've grown up with people who had all the right doctrines, who had all their ducks in a row. And at one point in my life, I thought, well, if I just am like them, if I just know enough, then I'll be a better person and everything will kind of work out. Um, And then, you know, those people have dramatic falls. (laughs) I've realized that sometimes, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And then on the flip side, though, it's like, you know, I I joined the Episcopal world, I'm doing the liturgy, I'm doing the prayer book every day. And you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to form me, change me, because, you know, in doing the good, you become the good. And then, but then you meet those people who grew up in the Episcopal Anglican world, praying the same rote prayers daily or weekly, and then they end up becoming not very good people or just not good Christians at all. So it's, there's a bit of a mystery here. And really what we're trying to do is hold these two things together, holding, you know, ideas matter and actions matter, and there's no use trying to separate them. Uh, But in this collect, it does put the idea before behavior. So I'm going to give Cramer the final word. And here it is. Oh God, from whom all good proceeds, grant that by your inspiration, we may think those things that are right and by your merciful guiding may do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming, so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.